Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. Oh, and by the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, keep in mind you can download your very own copy of it by visiting www.audible.com. And you can find the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven on Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. On today's episode, we'll hear chapters 13 and 14 from The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. And each week, we'll take a visit to Jenny's Corner, where we'll get to hear from Jenny Cody herself, the creator of the Epic Order of the Seven. Jenny will give us the inside scoop on all her stories, her inspiration, how she comes up with these great ideas, and much more. And she'll read letters from her loyal listeners, maybe even yours. Well, let's get started, shall we? Here's Max and Liz. Greetings! Uh, I mean, uh, ahoy mateys! Arg! Ahoy mateys? You are now a sailor or a pirate? I be a seafaring salty dog, I be. You're not a salty dog. You're a Scottish terrier who is not particularly fond of the water. Well, fine, Miss Briniac. I'm just trying to get in the right mood as our story continues by setting sail across the sea on the SS Craddock. Aye, aye, Captain. That is more like it. Of course, Craddock is our nautical friend. No, he's not nautical. He behaves himself. He's a fine lad, a good lad. Uh, Max, nautical does not mean naughty. It means he knows his way around the sea. Oh, sure. I, I knew that. You already knew what nautical means? Well, no, but I knew that Craddock knows his way around the sea then. Ah, fair enough. Let's all go see what we can see on the open sea. See? Uh, we. Oui. <laughs> I know me French words, too. <laughs> Chapter 13 The Crossing The sea spray splashed all around Craddock as he carried Max, Kate, and Al into the channel. Crinan and Bethu flew up above, their shadows darting back and forth over the whale and his passengers. Kate listened to the sea foam fizz as Craddock glided through the water. She grinned softly at Al, who was spread out flat across the huge back of their transporting friend. He was wide-eyed and drenched, spitting the sea spray out of his mouth and digging his claws into the whale as he hung on for dear life. "'Just how big is this body of water, and where does it lead then, Craddock?' asked Max, as he carefully inched his way to sit on top of the whale's head, just behind the two blowholes. He tried to keep his focus on the shiny surface of the whale and not on the deep blue water passing on either side. This sea is quite large, dear boy, about 350 miles long, 150 miles wide, but not too deep for me, I'm afraid. I enjoy going deep in the ocean, and in this channel I can only dive just shy of 400 feet. I must be terribly careful in the narrowest part of this channel, down by those large white cliffs in the distance. From here, we'll cross over to France to reach the fire cloud. I do believe it's about 80 miles across, explained Craddock. France? What is that country like, Craddock? asked Max. Oh, it's a splendid country, old boy. 
beautiful coastlines and lush landscape. I've heard tell of a large, winding river that goes far into the countryside. I could not go there myself, of course, but I understand the scenery to be quite grand, replied Craddock. Aye, but nothing could be as grand as me homeland in Scotland, answered Max. So, Max, do tell me more about this adventure of yours. What do you think you'll find when you reach the fire cloud? asked Craddock. I don't know, my friend. It's a mystery, and it grows with each passing day. I were thinking I were the only one called to follow the fire cloud at first. Then I met Al, who were also following it. Then caught up with Crinan and Bethu, and, of course, uh, Bonnie Kate, Max said, as he dreamily looked back to see Kate consoling Al near the rear of the great whale. I do say, old chap, you seem to be quite taken with Kate, said Craddock, with lips curving into a smile. Aye, lad, me heart's been beating fast ever since I laid eyes on her. She is the lass of me dreams. I think I'm falling in love with her. Craddock, do you have a love? asked Max. <laughs> no, lad, I, I just haven't met the right one yet, <laughs> said Craddock, with a chuckle that caused his body to shake and the passengers to brace themselves. Al stifled a scream as he bit his lip and shut his eyes tight. Ha-ha, <laughs> good one, Craddock, uh, but can you please be careful of your laughing then? It tends to make everyone shake, and I'm afraid Al can't take much more of being scared, said Max, thinking to himself that he couldn't take much more either. No worries. I'll try to keep my chuckles at bay. So, do you think that Kate is your right one? asked Craddock. Max looked back at Kate and replied, Aye, lad, I think she's the right one for me. <laughs> I think you two make quite the lovely couple, utterly splendid. Just then a deep rumble came from Craddock's belly, and Max, Kate, and Al all felt their feet tingle. I do say I'm terribly sorry about that. I haven't had breakfast yet this morning, and I do need to eat, you know, said Craddock. Eat! Sure, and I want to eat, too, said Al, his ears perked up at the mere mention of his favorite pastime. Suddenly, he didn't seem as concerned about hanging on. To Al, eating was easily the most important part of his day. Sleeping was a close second. Crinan and Bethu swooped down to be eye-level with Craddock. What do you eat, anyway? they asked. A delectable diet of plankton and krill. I just open my mouth wide and in they come. Here, I'll show you. Uh, Max, old boy, you may want to have your friends hold on tight, warned Craddock. Max called Kate and Al to join him at the high point of Craddock's large head. Craddock proceeded to open his huge mouth as the others watched an enormous pool of water swirl in front of them right into Craddock's mouth. Al eagerly looked for the plankton to see if any might wash up on top of Craddock's back. I don't see anything. Where's the plankton? asked Al. Craddock swallowed the plankton and told Max to move back a bit from the blowholes. He then let go a strong burst of seawater out of his blowholes, freshly drenching his passengers. Max and Kate proceeded to shake the water off their backs, down to their tails, while Al shut his eyes as their spray landed on his already soaked fur. Thanks a lot. 
Sure, I just love water. Yes, I do. Why don't you just hold on to me tail and drag me alongside? said a very perturbed, soggy, hungry Al. Well, chap, if you'd like to try the plankton, that's precisely what you need to do. See here, let Max hold your tail while you hang on to my side and get your face in the water. Then open wide and enjoy the sweet delicacy of the sea, encouraged Craddock, following up with a resonating belch. But where's the plankton? I don't see anything, answered Al. It's invisible, old chap. It floats on the surface of the water. Just try it, eagerly exclaimed Craddock. Al looked at the length of Craddock's large frame and decided that something that feeds such a huge beast must be good. Max, grab me tail so I can reach the water. Be careful of me tail. Don't bite too hard, instructed Al. Are you sure you want to be doing this, Al? Plankton may be good for whales, but not for cats, you know said Kate. I am so hungry I could eat a whale, answered Al. Uh, Max, be a good chap and lower Al down before he has any ideas, said Craddock. Aye, methinks you're daft, Kitty, but I'll do it, answered Max, knowing full well the power of Al's stomach. He gently took Al's tail into his mouth, frowning as the soggy cat fur covered his tongue. Al slowly clawed his way down Craddock's side, getting his face near the splashing water. He gingerly opened his mouth wide and placed it into the oncoming current. Al made a pitiful gargling sound as Max held on to the hungry cat's tail. Al's belly appeared to expand before their eyes as he swallowed at least a gallon of seawater. Max pulled Al up, seeing that he'd had enough. Crinan started laughing as he flew down to get a closer look at Al, whose face was turning as green as Ireland itself. What a buffoon! I never seen such a cat so hungry as to try something so daft! He turned and flew up into the air to join Bethu, who replied, Oh, the poor dear! Al slid onto Craddock's back, gagging and coughing up seawater as he faced backward on the whale. Max stifled a laugh when he got a warning look from Kate not to make fun of poor, hungry Al. After Al caught his breath, he spoke. How could you have let me eat such a horrible meal, Max? said Al, still spitting the salty water out of his mouth. It's were the worst thing I ever tasted, and I've tasted a lot of things, whimpered Al. Me? You were determined to drink up the sea, lad. Don't be placing the blame on me for your worries. <laughs> I guess you figured out that plankton is for whales, not cats, said Max, not able to hold in a chuckle. Aye, lad, no, I know. I think I'm going to be sick, moaned Al, who now was looking at the rolling sea swells behind him. His large belly picked up the rhythm of the sea, with waves sloshing around inside. I do say, old boy, I'm truly sorry it was such a dreadful experience for you. I never considered a land creature trying such a sea feast. I didn't realize it would make you so ill, said Craddock. Al kept belching up seawater, wishing he had never tried plankton, as Craddock continued the long swim across the channel. Ugh. Well then, tis better to see the sea than to see if it's worth eating, eh? Oui, uh, that was not one of Al's final moments. I think he'd agree with you on that one. Some things we just have to find out the hard way, like 
Whale food aren't necessarily kitty food. Then again, uh, some of us would just have the good judgment to abstain. And some of us don't always have the best judgment then. <sighs> we, Max, including me. We all have our little blind spots that cause us to make unwise decisions. Uh, sometimes I let my intellect become a place of uh, pride and arrogance. And for me, it's listening to me fears instead of listening to the Maker. Uh, fortunately, the Maker never gives up on me. And he even gets me thinking about ways to fix things. And with that, we head back out to sea and meet up with some of Craddock's more playful friends while Max discovers a way to, uh, fix some things. Uh, we? Uh, I. Chapter 14 The Sea Plan The sun was high overhead. Max, Kate, and Al had settled in for the journey, resting on Craddock's back and trying to enjoy a period of calm after Al's debacle. Max was thinking about where they were headed and how the Maker had faithfully provided a way across. Aye, you said to find the right way. You gave me the right answer, but it took me a while to figure it out. I'm grateful for the thinking time. It makes me feel a little smarter than I were thought Max as he stared up at the fire cloud, grinning. Kate watched Max, and her heart melted as she observed his big smile, thinking of how much he was coming to mean to her, and in such a short time. Al's eyes were closed, and he let out an occasional moan. Craddock had been swimming for three hours when he began to laugh, and laugh hard, startling Max, Kate, and Al, and forcing them to hang on tight. "'What in the name of Pete are you laughing at, Craddock?' shouted Max over the bellowing wail, his heart dropping with the sudden shaking. "'Do stop, Al! You killing me, lad!' <laughs> replied Craddock. "'Me? What did I do?' answered a still queasy Al, almost crying from it all. "'No, Al, not you,' Craddock said, as he continued to chuckle and rattle his passengers." I mean Alexander, you rascal, stop tickling me. <laughs> out of nowhere came a creature jumping out of the sea directly over Craddock and the others, giggling as it splashed back into the water on the other side. What was that? asked Kate. Oh, oh, that's my young dolphin friend, Alex. He takes great delight in skimming under my belly, tickling me, explained Craddock, still chuckling as he talked. The dolphin came alongside Craddock, this time splashing Al by repeatedly slapping his tail fin on the water before submerging beneath the surface. Crinan was laughing from up above again at Al's expense as he watched the scene below. Ah! Max! It's hard to get me! cried Al. I don't think I can get much wetter or any more scared. They were not meant to be one with the sea. Calm down, laddie. Tis just a little dolphin, no? He's, he's just playing with you then, said Max, this time not able to withhold a laugh. Alex jumped up and over again before coming alongside the whale-weary friends for a better view. What are you guys doing riding Craddock? asked Alex, disappearing again beneath the waves, not waiting for an answer. A big splash of water came from the opposite side, once again drenching Al. Alex giggled and swam up to be eye-level with Craddock. What's up, Craddock? Eh, who, who's your friends back there? 
especially the funny orange one, asked Alex, continuing to frolic and swim back and forth around Craddock's large flipper. He was a bundle of pure, boundless energy. Just giving these friends a lift across the channel, answered Craddock. What you doing that for? asked the dolphin, dipping again under the water, not waiting for a reply. He circled around and jumped back over Craddock, just grazing the top of Al's head before landing with another drenching splash. Al felt as if he couldn't hold on much longer before being lost forever in the surrounding sea. See here, dear boy, my friends are on a mission to reach the fire cloud. I do say, where are your parents? asked Craddock. Oh, I got a little ahead of them. They're back there somewhere. I just saw your wake and had to check it out, answered Alex, before disappearing from view once more. The young dolphin was nowhere to be seen. Al was shivering with eyes shut again, just bracing for another surprise attack. Max and Kate scanned the water for the little dolphin, but it appeared as if he just vanished. Craddock continued his slow, steady glide through the water as Crinan and Bethu looked from above. I say, do you lovebirds see our little friend? Craddock asked the gulls. Not a trace from up here, answered Bethu. Do you think he were afraid he'd get in trouble with his parents? I sure hope so, said a sour owl, feeling a glimmer of satisfaction as he considered Alex getting punished. Suddenly, two large dolphins emerged at the surface, blowing spray from their blowholes. They swam up near the whale, but respectfully kept their distance. Kate admired how elegantly they sliced through the blue water, never having seen such beautiful creatures up close. Their deep gray bodies glistened in the sun as they gracefully swam in arcs on top of the water. They had warm, gentle eyes and curved mouths that seemed kind. Well, hello. It's splendid to see you two. I do say, Alex is growing into quite the boisterous lad greeted Craddock. Hello, old friend. Yes, we have our hands full with him these days. I hope he didn't cause any trouble, said the father dolphin. Ha, I'll tell you what he did, said Al, before Kate slapped her paw over his mouth. Hush, Al, he's just a boy, not meaning any harm. Don't be rude to his parents. Nothing happened to you but a little splash of water. Shake it off, lad, said Kate with a forceful, whispering voice. Al quickly realized he was the only one attending his pity party and promptly buttoned his lip. Uh, See here, no harm done, old chap. Just a splash or two, you know, Craddock answered with a grin. I'm transporting these friends. They are following the fire cloud. Alex popped up beside Craddock, swimming behind his parents, eyeing Al, but behaving himself. Al's eyes narrowed as he looked at Alex, daring him to splash and make trouble. Are there other creatures following the fire cloud as well? asked the mother dolphin. Craddock got me thinking about that, said Max. We left some wolves behind in England, and Craddock were wondering if they were trying to get across the channel. I have me doubts that the maker called wolves, but maybe there are other noble beasts in need of passage. How far do you dolphins travel, then? Oh, we go all the way up and down the ocean boundary, traveling great distances sometimes, answered the dolphins. Aye, and I know Craddock and his whale friends roam the seas far and wide. Hmm, muttered Max. What are you thinking, then, Max? 
asked Kate. I'm thinking that if the Maker did call other creatures, like us, from other lands, it could be they need a way across the great waters and oceans. The dolphins are swift and can reach places quickly and communicate with the whales. The whale beasties are slow but large and steady. They can carry passengers like us. Craddock, do you think other whales might want to help carry land creatures like you're doing? asked Max. Right! Smashing idea, old chap. I do believe you are on to something here, and I know other fellows such as myself would be honored to assist in this endeavor, answered Craddock. Perhaps the Maker intended to use us sea creatures in this mysterious journey. All right, then. Crinan and Bethu, can you fly along the coast and help spot land-bound animals needing some transport? Dolphin beasties, can you swim near the shores and let the whale beasties know where to go? asked Max. Aye, we'll do our best then, and we'll meet up with you when we all reach the fire cloud, said Crinan as he and Bethu took flight to soar above the dolphins. Thanks, me friends. I'm grateful to you. We'll see you down the journey, answered Max. Crinan and Bethu soared up high into the sky, looping in circles as they caught the gusty sea breeze currents above the channel. The dolphins began calling other members of their pod with sonar, and Max saw other fins breaking the surface as more dolphins joined the procession. Kate beamed with pride at her new bow, watching him take charge and help deliver other creatures. Good luck to you all, and Max, I think you've found a way to help many creatures. If you're right, and the Maker has called creatures near and far, this could be bigger than we all know. Farewell, said the father dolphin, as he swam alongside and waved his fin to Max, Kate, and Al. He disappeared beneath the waves, along with his family. Good riddance, mumbled Al under his breath when he no longer saw the pesky young dolphin. He had barely uttered those words when out of nowhere, Alex burst out of the water and landed next to Al, drenching him once more. Alex stood up tall on the end of his tail, moving backward, calling out, My mom said I forgot to tell you. Goodbye. So, goodbye. Alex took off jumping high out of the water as he once again joined the pod of dolphins. Kate came over to Al. Oh, Al, the wee beast is gone then. All should be quiet now she said, as she attempted to calm the poor cat down. Al sat there saying nothing for a moment, water dripping from his whiskers and one eye closed from the sting of salt water. He just looked back at Kate and finally said, So help me, Kate, I will never ride on the sea again. I thought the land beasties were bad, but this were the worst scare I ever had. Be careful of what you say, lad, interrupted Max, now at Kate's side. Never is a mighty strong word. You don't know what might be up ahead on the journey, said Max with a grin. Buck up then. Maiden voyages just help you get your sea legs and be all the better prepared next time, said Craddock, trying to affirm the pitiful Al. Hm, I can't see how things could get any better until me paws are on the maker's good green earth, replied Al. Well, lad. You should be feeling better real soon, then. I think I see land, said Max, looking at the growing shoreline of France. Kate and Al stood up quickly, joining Max in scanning the horizon and gazing on the far shore. They saw extensive beaches and green hillsides dotted with fields of yellow. 
How much longer? How much longer? pleaded Al. Oh, I suppose another hour will do, said Craddock. Hang on, lad. You're almost there, encouraged Max. He continued his thoughts to himself. Aye, but what awaits us on that shore? And how are we supposed to land on it? I don't see rock jetties anywhere. As Al was experiencing some relief, Max began to worry. If Craddock couldn't get close to shore, how in the world would they make landfall? Ah, that were a day. Seems like there was always something to be worrying about. Just when you solve one problem, another one jumps in right there to take its place then. Only if you choose to worry about it. But if Craddock cannot get close to the shore, how do you think we'll get there then? Well, I've been thinking. I. So, assuming that you cannot get close to the shore. I. And it's too far to swim. Right. Uh, go on, Kitty. Well, then, the only answer that makes any sense to me is what? Is to come back next week for the next episode. <laughs> Arg! Are you a pirate again? No, I'm fit to be tied with you then. <laughs> you set me up, Liz. I, I'm sorry, Max. <sighs> All right, then. And you're right, it is a good idea to come back for the next episode. Well, then, uh, shall we check in with the lady who wrote this wonderful story? Aye, tis no better time than now for a trip to Jenny's Corner. Uh, bonjour, Miss Jenny. Uh, does someone have a question or two for you? Yes, a couple of great questions. How old do you have to be to be a writer? And have you always been a storyteller? Well, you can start writing stories when you're young, just like I did. I was eight years old when I started writing stories, and I wrote stories about talking fruit. Yes, you heard that right, talking fruit. <laughs> and I can remember even drawing pictures of a cherry or a grape. And so I met Phil Vischer a few years ago, and he's the brilliant creator of Veggie Tales. And I said, I was writing Fruity Tales when I was a kid. <laughs> but I did not know at the time that God was destining me to be a writer. So this creative um, bent in my mind was started really young. And writing stories is so much fun to let your imagination soar and draw pictures and take white pieces of paper and fold them together and make a book and just have fun with the process of watching a story come alive on the paper. Good advice, Miss Jenny, to have fun with writing stories. Hui, what a novel idea. Right, Monsieur Announcer? <laughs> uh, right, Liz. Did you see what I did there? Uh -huh. A novel idea? Yeah, yeah, I got the joke there, Liz. Huh. I didn't think you'd get it, Les. I know. Well, <laughs> he can be taught. Uh, okay, sit. But. Stay. But. Don't speak. See, you can be taught, too. <laughs> there. Okay, cue the music. There. Well, that wraps up this episode. Hope you had fun, and we invite you to join us again next time to find out just how our merry band of animals will indeed make landfall. And, uh, that's a hint. <laughs> See you then. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven, 
log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grandi! Au revoir, mes amis. Thanks for listening.